Welcome to the Laker Room Podcast. I am your host, Josh Carlson, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Zach Goodrow. This will be a new podcast on the Grand Valley Podcasting Network, where we'll be interviewing Laker student-athletes about their experiences at Grand Valley. Today, we have swimmer Jesse Goodyear. Let's get into it. Hey guys, Zach Goodrow here. Before we get into the Jesse interview, I just wanted to lay out what an absolute monster this man is. In his freshman year at GVSU, Jesse finished the 500-yard, the 1,000-yard, and the 1,650-yard in second place at the GLIAC tournament. The following year, Jesse became the king of the pool, finishing first in the 500 and the 1,000. Goodyear also won the GLIAC Men's Swimmer of the Year Award in 2020. This man has broken several GVSU records so far during his GVSU career, including the 1,000 and 1,650. Without further ado... Let's get into our interview with the Agile Aussie. What's up, Jesse? How you doing hey, today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. That's I'm good. glad that I could talk to you, uh, you and Josh. I haven't talked to you in a while, man. I remember my when I started first working at the Lanthorn, did a couple articles about Jesse. It's a great guy to talk to. Yeah, it's my first time meeting you, and you seem pretty talkative already, so it should be a good one. It's one of my many qualities. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's the first thing that you want to get into? Uh, I mean, let's start from the beginning, pretty much. I mean, let's talk about your transition to GVSU. Like, how does how does a swimmer from Australia all of a sudden come to West Michigan and start swimming? Well, um, West Michigan's probably definitely one of the places I never would have thought of ending up <laughs> for college at least but um when it comes to swimming and well just like the whole athlete department in that the US has overall it's a great um it's a great place for a swimmer to actually end up because at home with swimming and when you finish school and go to university it's only a one up op- like one option you can't have both really so you kind of got to sacrifice university for a fair few more years after you finish swimming or you can continue swimming and sacrifice college. So I wanted something that could have both. And many of my friends have come to America and pursued this career. And um, I thought, why? There's nothing stopping me from being able to do this. And that kind of led into my discovery of West Michigan and Grand Valley. Right. <laughs> Allendale of all yeah. places. Why do, does Australia do it like that? Why don't they have like universities that integrate the sports into them? Well, Australia's definitely tried to do this, that type of a program. Um, it's definitely coming a lot more prominent. Um, the, like, there's a thing called AIS and NSWIS, which stands for Australian Institute of Sport and New South Wales Institute of Sport, which is the state I'm from. Mm-hmm. And both of those departments take care of the athletes, like football, soccer, swimming. And they've definitely tried to begin implementing, like, the option to be able to study and swim mm-hmm. or any type of sport but um it it just doesn't seem to kick off because when, if you do want to swim it's definitely something that takes a lot and a lot of time and I, I understand that um if you want to get to that professional um olympic or like yeah this international level you're gonna have to sacrifice a lot but um I just feel like sacrificing your education is a lot to ask in my case. And if the U.S. has been doing it and doing it su- successfully, then I'm definitely going to 
I, I definitely did want to take that up. <laughs> yeah, and what was that transition like? How, were you getting recruited by schools like actively or were you kind of seeking out schools? So I got a few Facebook direct messages from just a bunch of random people that um, have those like companies that there's one called Play in the USA and they just reach out to mm -hmm. people that are athletes that are doing pretty well and um, you can pay them a sum of money and they will start you on this whole process. Thankfully, I have a friend that goes to NMU and she started a year before me and she pretty much told me how to do the whole process by myself because um, she actually went through the company and saw how they did it and thankfully saved me a lot of money. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's, it wasn't actually that bad, but um, obviously I, I got out of it pretty easy. My mom was the one doing a lot of the like looking around for colleges mm -hmm. and um, that we had to look more than um go out and search because i wasn't actually on any database i was the one actually going out and obviously when you look for one university like northern michigan grand valley is going to come up and many others like that so it's it, it, it's not as bad as it sounds <laughs> so why did you pick gvsu over you know any other schools well when I was looking at like all these schools, I had no idea of what Grand Valley was or is. <laughs> and um, I became like so interested in all these colleges around the area. And um, Grand Valley was just continuously popping up and suggested. And I, I just thought, well, what's the coincidence of typing in swim and dive after the name and seeing if anything comes up? And sure enough, Grand Valley swim and dive came up and when you actually search into them a lot more, their track record is incredible when you compare it to many other universities, like placing fifth in the NCAAs for swimming and like just the team overall has like such a high international presence as well. So I like, I felt like there was a lot of people like me there as like here as well. And Grant, they are, it's just such an incredible place. I'm surprised it didn't come to me sooner. <laughs> yeah. Do you know how cold it was here though before you decided to come? Because I feel like that transition was probably hard. That that was definitely one of the harder ones but um, me just being a 18 year old Australian boy never seeing snow was like I'm definitely I'm definitely curious like. <laughs> well I, I remember when I first talked to you a year ago and I asked you the same question and you told me that you like the snow. So I so I'm just wondering where your craziness comes from <laughs> for enjoying this winter that we're having. Well, the wind <laughs> I I love summer, don't get me wrong. I love the beach, I love surfing, I love swimming in the sun and everything, but you can't be you can't beat the snow. <laughs> Building igloos, throwing snowballs, like when when you're at the beach you just get sand in uncomfortable places. <laughs> when you're in the snow you just get wet. <laughs> and I'm wet a lot of the time because of swimming, so it's no difference. <laughs> okay. Was coming over here as a freshman, like eighteen year old, like I don't know if you were ever away from home for that long a period before, especially in a different country. Like what was like that like being eighteen and kind of in a different country and just different environment in general. So that that is, um, that's probably like the biggest thing that I've never actually got to evaluate myself because everything was just so quickly happening. So like my parents came with me, were here with me for the first week of like um like the welcome week. Mm -hmm. So I I, I felt comfortable because my parents were nearby. But after that first week and like you start classes and like the swim season starts to get ready everything just happened so quickly and by the time like I was going home in December of my freshman year 
I, I was I couldn't believe it like I was actually kind of sad to think like oh, I'm going home for two weeks now like yeah. it's just so fun over here so it's definitely it, I think it's something that more hits me the second semester of the year because I get like it does get pretty sad to think like oh my family's not around mm -hmm. but you like the, the team like the people here like I love it. <laughs> yeah, I guess as a student athlete, you guys are pretty structured too, day to day with practice, and like you have to go to class at this time and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, that well, that I love. I love a schedule. <laughs> <laughs> a schedule is definitely my like way to go. <laughs> what is that schedule like day to day for you? Um, it consists of swimming most of the time, like twice in that day. And pre-COVID, there were like it's hard to go from classes downtown because I'm an accounting major so the whole business sector's down there so it makes it hard like getting that bus down and back and then trying to get into the pool like for two to three hours of the day and weightlifting and all that so like it, it gets really tiresome but um, if it ever gets too much you can always just say to the coaches I, I need a break but other than that they have it down pretty well like what what we're capable of and like where where our limits lie so they never go over that and that I think that just makes like the swimming schedule at least for like the student athletes of swimming just that much more like better mm -hmm. so yeah oh I was gonna ask uh, like with the training you spoke you talked about you have like two you try to get in twice a day um do you guys not do anything like out of the water? I mean, you said weightlifting, but like, like, do you guys run at all, or is it mostly just all water? That's that's, that's the common joke of a swimmer running. <laughs> you just don't see it. <laughs> but um, I do. I I like running. Um, if I'm not swimming, like for a like over, like over the pandemic when I wasn't able to swim, um, I was running because that like I do like it. But um, we mainly just focus on core work. So like, just a lot of like. You know, crunches, push-ups, sit-ups, like all that kind of stuff. And um, th so that's probably like the biggest thing. But weightlifting is like just the ultimate outside bodybuilder for swimming because um, swimming's like in a kind of like a zero gravity type field. So that that makes it a good thing. It's not hard on the body, but then also it does require some outside work. Mm -hmm. So weightlifting and core is probably the biggest outside of the water type events for us yeah and you you were touching on COVID a bit like let's kind of go into that what was that like when that hit last year like <laughs> we're getting sent home like what was going through your head <laughs> what did the coaches tell you what were your parents saying uh that's <laughs> I, I keep looking back to that thinking I never want to go through it again <laughs> so I was in Geneva Ohio at NCAAs mm -hmm. and um Unfortunately, our team had the stomach bug, <laughs> so that was just a great start anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and um, day two, I believe it was, um, I thankfully got to swim at least one race, um, and it wasn't. I was pretty happy with it. And um, day two, um, in the morning session, they said no more spectators are allowed, and that was really intense because one of my friends that goes to Wayne State, her mum flew all the way from Melbourne, Australia, to watch oh, her wow. at nationals, and she couldn't go in so that was like pretty heartfelt for her like that was uh. but um when when they cancelled the whole thing and we turned the bus around because we were on the way to the pool when they had cancelled it that was like when it actually hit because before that it was just like you know those like individuals to like double numbers of cases and you just thought it's not going to be bad it's yeah. it can't be bad <laughs> like that doesn't happen type yeah. thing and um then that night we're driving back to Grand Rapids because 
the town of Geneva said, we don't want like any teams here anymore because this is going to get really bad. Mm. And then we remember so vividly living, listening to um, Governor Whitmer's address on that night th- mm. saying that schools are shutting down and closing until further notice and Grand Valley was already on that two-week period of um, online classes. And I kind of thought maybe it's time to go home because I'm not like Australia just begun closing its borders to everybody but um, permanent residents and citizens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So two days after that, I was pretty sure Grand Valley wasn't going to come back face to face. And we booked a flight. It was hard to get home. And I had to quarantine for two weeks when I got home. Yeah. It was it was probably the, one of the most surreal things that happened in my life, thinking a week before I was just getting ready for nationals and the week later I was in quarantine in my bedroom at home yeah. in Sydney. <laughs> how, was your, uh, how was your second quarantine when you were coming back <laughs> this year? Because I talked to you a little bit during that time and I don't, I don't know how you didn't go crazy just sitting in, what was it, a hotel yeah. for like two weeks? Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was brutal. <laughs> Where were you at? Uh, wait, in Australia or here? Oh, uh, here when you were Oh, no. Um, here was, uh, I just had to quarantine in my apartment, okay. thankfully, which was a bit unusual because my roommates were around me. But um, I think the thought of me coming from a country that has practically no cases was a bit comforting to everybody. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, the, f- the flights here were definitely packed. Right. <laughs> so, and, yeah. and what was that, you know, transition like when you come back uh you know this fall leading into winter we had another shutdown things got even worse was it coming from australia where you guys have handled the covid case nicely was it like man this place is a madhouse over here what is going on my the the way i can sum up that question is i was at the airport with my mum, and we had my luggage on the conveyor belt ready to get taken away from me and I kind of broke down to my mom. I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. Like you read the news um, over like 200,000 cases a day mm-hmm. and climbing. Um, then you read like just what's happening, like just in the US overall with like just riots and everything. And I, I know that's not the US I left, but like it had been eight months. So I don't know what the US I'm coming back to is. Yeah. So we took our, my bags off the conveyor belt in the airport, went and sat down because the ladies told me go and take 30 minutes before you do this like because this is going to change everything you're not going to be able to get back into this country until like four or five months Mm -hmm. and i was like that's terrific like that's probably that's probably not the greatest way to start (laughs) (laughs) so i sat down with my mom she called my dad who was waiting in the car out the front of the airport and um then we also called one of my mom's best friends i called my brother and so on and it kept coming to like do you want to finish this degree do you want to um finish what you started and everything and like that's what ultimately just gave me the kick I was like I'm gonna go and finish this um I probably won't see my parents for over a year but like I guess sacrifices <laughs> is that the same case with like you know holiday break and stuff yeah you had to stay here yeah so um how was that for you that was it was rough because the first five days I was by myself and literally just by myself in my house and there was no swimming, no nothing. And it was kind of, that was a hard hitter because I was like, like, this is Christmas time. I'm by myself. I've never yeah. had this before in my life. And then thankfully my roommate um, who lives in Canton, Michigan, um, invited me to his house for Christmas. 
So I experienced a white Christmas and <laughs> their family were so generous and kind and giving and I could not have asked for a better like a better alternative to what I normally have, you know, so. <laughs> right. And uh, tracking back to those eight months where you were in Australia over that kind of COVID, like pretty bad COVID like summer, how are you training and uh, like at least trying to stay in shape a little bit to when you do come back and transition that you wouldn't be, you know, like lost everything? That, so... Um, when I first got home, I was in quarantine for two weeks and I was running because technically I was allowed out of the house mm -hmm. just as long as I wasn't near anybody. Yeah. And where I live is a pretty rural area. So we were, I was able to go and run on the ovals or the tracks around the area and not see anybody. Um, but after that, I was going 50 minutes down the South coast of Sydney because, um, we have rock pools, which are pretty much normal swimming 50 meters or 25 meter pools, but they're literally just washed by the ocean, like waves crash into them and everything. And it's, it's a really fun time, but they get cold, hot and every, everything like that. So I was going to that pool every morning at about 5am where it's pitch black because there's no light shining onto it and there was waves crashing into it. So like you might turn your head to the left and a wave would hit you in the face. <laughs> and I was just like, well, this is definitely going to be the way to go. But um, I, I loved every minute of it. And um, my mum would come, my mum and brother would come with me. So my brother would go and surf, I would swim and my mum would go for a walk. So it was like mm -hmm. our way of getting out of the house for that. I think we were in lockdown for one and a half months. So that was just that little, yeah, yeah, sanction. <laughs> yeah. And when did it kind of start feeling a little bit like normal life? in Australia during when you were there or did it never kind of get back to that? No, it, it, it got very much back to that. Um, probably I went home mid March. So I'd say by, um, probably the start of May, mm -hmm. I was, I was living my pretty normal life. Like swimming was a still, like I was training with my squad and the national team and everything, mm -hmm. but, um, it was still pretty mellow with like, okay, you can't, we can't go to the weight room because of COVID and everything. Yeah. But um, nobody, nobody ever wore masks because like you, you didn't need to. Like yeah. it was safe, and um, the like, cases just kept falling. Like I think the most we got in a day was like two hundred in Sydney or something like that. Yeah. And by May, it was like yeah. one to two. The entire country of Australia was doing better than the state of Michigan. <laughs> Which yeah. Was just fascinating. I to mean, me. I'm from like the northern part of Michigan, so up here, and around May, around the same time, we were at. Uh, like two cases in within like six counties so we were pretty we still had to wear masks and everything but yeah. we still had like restaurants where like down here a lot of places weren't allowed to even go out to eat so it was kind of normal but. yeah See, i live on the west side of michigan uh a small town we didn't have very many numbers to begin with, but I live with country people and they refuse to wear masks no matter what <laughs> so very quickly things got pretty bad <laughs> And uh, I heard you mention, like, your national team and everything. Uh, what do you mean by national team, like the Australian national swimming team? Um, so we don't really have anything like an actual national team where, like, people from all around Australia come together, mm -hmm. which is a pretty unfortunate thing, I think, because I think that just boosts what we have so much more. And America does that, once again. Like, that's just one of many things the U.S. does that we don't, and mm -hmm. we're unfortunately seeing repercussions from that. But... Um, what, like every squad that every team in Australia has a national squad. And only if you are a national swimmer, if you make the national championships every year, mm -hmm. you can be in that squad. So, um, like 
only about like 800 or so make the national championships in Australia. So there's not many national squads around. And if there are, there's not very, there's very few in it anyway. Mm -hmm. So, but um, they were, the Australian government allowed for like nationals to go back earlier. And then only a few weeks after the state um, ones went back and then it just kept like allowing for little kids to go back in the end. Yeah. And who, who was your coach on that team? It was a, it was an Olympian. Oh right? yeah, Craig. Craig. <laughs> yeah. So he um he won the oh not won he made the Olympics for the fifteen hundred freestyle in two thousand two thousand four and two thousand and eight, really? and he made um four hundred free as well in one of those years. I can't remember, but yeah, like so, who better to train me? <laughs> yeah. I mean, how does it feel getting trained by an Olympian and you know fifteen hundred same event that you're doing too? Well, it's it's hard because he knows like if you're being weak. <laughs> So when you when you try to take it easy on yourself and like just go a bit slower, he knows he's like, no, nah, you you should be going faster. And it's kind of like, yeah, you you would know too because you've been through it. You should have been like, hey, I was just in a rock pool and a wave almost smashed my head against the wall. I am tired. I am done. I'm fed up. So so with the national team, you guys don't kind of like travel like country to country. Like let's say it was normal. Would you guys travel like maybe as a team to America to compete in events? or like and when would you do that like obviously there's your season for college is that something that is an off-season thing for you um so we so at the national championships mm -hmm. they will select a team from um how people perform there yeah so it's really time-based really mm -hmm. so if um i come first to nationals or i do a really good time they'll be like you're selected on the team and that's a really prestigious thing um that team's very hard to make. Mm -hmm. I've only I made the state team, which is below that. Yeah. And um, but the national team they they will travel to um the Pacific countries. So like yeah, the Canada, US, um, and Asia and all mm -hmm. that, which is I that I've I've wanted. I was like probably one or two places off making that team in 2016, and that meet was actually in Indianapolis. Oh, so, really? which is like crazy yeah. because it's you only your coaches come. And stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait. So, is that something that? What's the age cutoff for that? Like, how old do you have to be to like kind of try out or participate? And then, how old are you, is the cutoff? So it's pretty much like fifteen to eighteen for mm -hmm. the junior. So it's called um the Pan Pacific Games. Yeah. And the the juniors the junior level of it's fifteen to eighteen, mm -hmm. and then they have the um Pan Pacific Games, which is like um just a normal one. And you can be pretty much, you can be 15 years old and even make that if you're fast, if you're enough. fast yeah. enough. Yeah. But um, when it goes up, like that's probably one of the lowest of the um, big meets because like you've got to put that against the Commonwealth Games or Worlds or the Olympics. Mm -hmm. So, but even making that, you're pretty much reassured you're going to make the Australian Olympic team yeah. and so on too. So, is that something that you're trying to pursue maybe like after college or even during kind of right now? If, if I'm able to kind of put because that's another thing like uh, swimming and work mm -hmm. when I get home like that's that's probably like I've never really seen many people do that because yeah. that's even next level again so if I feel like I'm at a stage where I still can perform at like such high levels I will definitely continue but um if I feel like I could get sit pretty comfortable and like get a job and do all that and finish yeah. like my accounting masters and such mm -hmm. I'll probably take up that option yeah because you said um earlier that you kind of made the sacrifice of just focusing on swimming to get an education yeah. so like when you finish your education like have you thought how much do you think about that like on a 
kind of, I guess, month-to-month basis. About finishing swimming altogether? Or no, about just fully diving into swimming pun intended, but uh, <laughs> kind of like, has, have you talked to your coach from Australia about it? Like, what does he say to you? Kind of? Well, he, um, he wants me to continue because I, I don't know, I, I, I provide him a lot of entertainment, <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> but um, he wants me to continue, he wants me, I can't remember what it's called, it's something seven, and what it is, is um, these open water swims, and there's seven of them in, seven of them in the world. And these swims are such things as um, the English Channel swim. That's one of them, or mm-hmm. that might be the third one on the list. Then there's a Hawaiian Channel one. There's um, the North to the Southern Island of New Zealand swim. I've like seen these on TV. Before. Yeah. So, yeah. like, they're, they're just those types of swims where, like, they have the boats out in the ocean, like, around you because most of the time it's a single person. Mm-hmm. So he wants – and it's never been done in a year. <laughs> yeah and he thinks that if we found the right like promoters and everything because like you have to get sponsored to be yeah. able to afford such a mm-hmm. thing but he thinks that like if we were to do it right he i could easily do it within a year mm-hmm. but um i <laughs> i don't know if my how much more my body can take because <laughs> those swims are so long <laughs> it's yeah. like a day and night type swim <laughs> All right. that, that sounds like a good idea though like if you want to be an accountant and then after you do one of these big swims, you could be like, come see Jesse Goodyear for your accounting needs. I that- swam the English Channel. <laughs> what other accountant can say that? that? Uh, yeah. I've got the patience. <laughs> so, I mean, there's other careers besides just being a swimmer. Like your coach is a coach now, and he obviously makes some sort of money from doing that. Like, Is that something that you've ever thought about? Kind of maybe not being a you know person who competes, but somebody who's just in the world of swimming instead of accounting i um i definitely see myself continuing being in the world of swimming um in australia mm-hmm. um but in some aspect yeah but um i don't think i'll ever take up the coaching career because my coach at home he's like he told me he loves it but once again he told me to always put education first because mm-hmm. he put the olympic games of 00 and 04 and 08 before everything and you think about it that's like eight years of his life he's just pushed off anything and he never went to university in the end or anything like that. And he, he does well being a coach. He, he likes it and everything. But I think he knows, like, there is definitely more to life after swimming. And mm-hmm. it does get very repetitive and all that. So, he, like, I would definitely stay, like, I'd, I'd do, like, the treasurer of the club or anything like that type of stuff. Yeah. But um, I don't think I could see myself being an actual swim coach, like, when I yeah, when I finish, like just full time. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I could see it either. I think you're too nice, Jesse. You know, <laughs> need to get a lot more brutal. Coaching. I have to get the whip out or something. <laughs> yeah, you'd be, you'd be too jokative with them. <laughs> you guys can do what you want today. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> so, um, besides swimming, was there any kind of sports that you did growing up, or were you just kind of full time on swimming? Um, I did surf lifesaving, which is I don't think a sport in the U.S., but um, surf. Not. This. Well, so, maybe maybe like east, maybe like New Jersey coast. Yeah, I, but um, in so it's pretty much you. You're actually training to be a lot like a lifeguard of the like a lifesaver ultimately of mm-hmm. like the beaches, <laughs> and um, th- like it's but it's also a sport from like eight years old up to however long you want to continue it. And um, before I hurt my knee, I was in 2015. I was doing it. I was had been like doing it for eight years, mm-hmm. and. To this day, I still remember everything that I've learned there. And, like, I still love that whole entire sport. Like, it's such an incredible 
thing and um it's just like board training um ocean swimming and like yeah you learn all your cpr training and everything there too mm -hmm. and um but they've turned it into a sport as well of like a board race a ocean swim race and all that and it's mm -hmm. it's a really fun time at home like it's probably one of our bigger un gone unknown in the global stage probably sport like no one really in this in the world knows what yeah but at home it's very prominent it's just kind of like your guys' thing yeah <laughs> What happened to your knee again? Uh, I uh, did a breaststroke kick in 2015. That's damn breaststroke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the breaststroke is such an abnormal kick. <laughs> so I, um, I ripped the meniscus in my knee and I thought it was fine. So I proceeded to go and do an ocean swim for surf life saving the following weekend. And I was told by the doctor and surgeon that's probably not the best thing I could have done with it. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to get surgery on it and was advised never to do breaststroke again. <laughs> so which is worse, uh, you know, isolating for uh, COVID or recovering from your knee surgery? Um, I think <laughs> isolating from COVID is probably definitely a better one, but I, I feel like the knee, it definitely, um, it like it, it makes you, like it makes you realize like how much you want to be in the sport, like isolating too. But I feel like with like with an injury, it's kind of like, am I gonna be able to get the back? Most debilitating thing. Yeah, there. yeah. Like it's and like I remember looking at my knee, I could barely walk on it. It was puffy and big, and I was like, there's no way I'm gonna be able to push off a wall, dive off a block, or anything like that ever again. Like, mm -hmm. look at this thing, it doesn't work. <laughs> and then thankfully, a month later, I was at nationals and I got third there. So it was a quick and Pretty steady good. process. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, moving into the championship meet that's coming up, the 16th of March, uh, what are you guys kind of aiming to do? Like, what's your personal goals? I mean, it's I mean, swimming is kind of a team sport in an aspect, but it's a lot like cross country where individually you do want to perform. Uh, what's your kind of goal going into the championship meet? Um, individually, I I just kind of I won a top eight in that in the mile. Um, I didn't perform as great as I think I could have at the GLIAC meet. Um, and I and that's a good thing because now I now I know I can definitely push myself harder, mm -hmm. and I wanna I wanna be able to top eight and do what I could have potentially done last year but wasn't able to because of COVID, so that's probably like my biggest individual goal, as a um, team, I, I I want us to like get below the top six um of the teams. Mm -hmm. So right now our coach is saying he believes between four and 12, mm -hmm. we, like we could sit, but I'm really pushing for under that top six. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. And explain to me kind of how the setup is. Is it all just D2 or is it nationals as in like every single division one through three school that's uh, participating in it? Um, so we have just D2. Mm -hmm. um, we do get a few schools from Canada. Um, we won't get that this year because of the whole Canadian US border situation with, um, yeah, <laughs> but um it's just all d2 schools and it's like it is very challenging even though d1 is definitely faster but d2 has has its definite like good competitors and that it makes it fun mm -hmm. and um yeah so it's just pretty much your d2 people and yeah i mean you see all the time of like exhibition or just kind of random games of any sport and d2 playing d1 where they compete or give them a run for their money i mean like Western just lost to us yesterday for yeah. soccer. So, I mean, we can compete a little bit, I guess. Uh, well, we, um, we actually versed Oakland a few weeks back, and we've, they're a D1 school, mm -hmm. and 
we, we got beaten. But um, I think it was a good, that was definitely a good meet, like going up against them. We had won a fair few meets before versing them. So I think it was a good, like, okay, guys, we're not undefeatable. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to really make sure that this this type of stuff can't happen again when we verse a D2 school and mm-hmm. type thing. Reality but um, they were they were a good competition. Um, loved every second of that. And yeah, like I, we went in there probably thinking, you know, maybe not going to win this one, mm-hmm. but um, like it's just the thrill of versing a D1 school. <laughs> what do you like individually line up with, with like a team like Oakland? Like, I know you said team wise, you guys lost, but like, did you guys have individual performers that were beating some in some events? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think I might've been the first male to win on the guy's side for the thousand yard freestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was definitely like, I, I kind of wanted to go in there and think like, yeah, you might be D2, but like I'm Australian. No, (laughs) sorry, T1, but (laughs) so that, well, that's the thing. Like, um, I, I, I know, like I love distance and I'm, I'm ready for a good race. So I went in there thinking like, this is going to be fun. This is going to be good. Um, we had Eric Eber, a new freshman, currently second in D2 for the mile and a thousand and he I, I he's gonna go well at nationals can see it <laughs> but um he won a fair few he won the 500 um mm-hmm. then we had Oscar go well there I'm not sure if he won or maybe got second but once again D D1 so like we do have those individuals that can get there yeah they can stack up but um I guess when like overall to, to, like they might have that bit more depth than right. what we have. Which... So, so how was the uh, GLIAC tournament this year? I mean, how different was it for you guys than, you know, in years previous? Uh, the, Gli- the GLIAC was definitely different, but I think it was definitely held to what it, what it like normally is. So um, we d- had to all wear masks and we had to social distance. Um, but other than that, like you're kind of there to race and, that we got to do that and we got to verse everybody, which is like the main thing to me. Cause I did not think we were going to have it four months ago, but, um, overall very, very similar, just without the spectators, I'd say. And, you know, every time I talk to your coach, Andy, I always ask him cause every single year you guys break new pool records, new GVSU records. You guys win the GLIAC. You just, just win all the time. And I always ask him like, does I mean, it's exciting, but does it ever get redundant for you? <laughs> it's like there's a new record in the uh, you know thousand freestyle. Is that ever like well, yeah? There's like a new record every year. So like you guys won seven in a row. <laughs> I'm sure you feel incredible, but going in there were you like, oh yeah, we got this. Well, we got this. <laughs> we we definitely thought um, we might have had the like up advantage maybe we weren't we were ter- ter- definitely weren't sure but um you can't say that he was cocky he's <laughs> not gonna be like yeah we knew going in there we were <laughs> he just said he was in the pool and he told the other guy i'm australian <laughs> I yeah i said that to the whole team this time though <laughs> no. he's um, like i i take baths in these pools. <laughs> this is my pool i got you guys <laughs> well like i guess with the gliac um we even though we win the, like it's kind of like we don't win all the events. So the events that we don't win, they're like the most thrill-chasing events. Like the relays, the Wayne, Wayne State relay teams, they are incredible. And mm-hmm. when we go up against them, we lose a fair few of them. But there are some we win, but 
don't realize where we lose. It's kind of like that kick in the back saying, you're not, you're not all what you think you are. So like, don't get too hype about it. Yeah. So, but, um, Relays are so fun to watch. They are. <laughs> relays for swimming are always the most fun it's, to watch. Well, I remember in, um, it was like 2000, um, the American relay team at the Olympics, one of the guys said that they're going to play the Australian team like they play guitars. And then the Australian team won. And I think that's probably the biggest thing we have over the U.S. to this day. <laughs> Alpha for America. <laughs> you know, I, uh, you know, this, this is for me is leading into two questions. One, when I first started working at the Lanthorn, I covered a lot of swimming and diving. I had never been to a swimming and diving match. And my God, was your team, Jesse, the most vocal and most cheering team I've ever seen in my life. Like every single race was exciting. Relays especially. Uh, the thousand, I was excited. You think I should have been watching uh, swimming more often. <laughs> I, I would watch the thousand and I'd be like, well, my man Jesse's in there, so I like it. I'm going to pay attention to root for him. If you weren't there, I would just be confused at how many times you guys had gone back and like hit the wall. But your team is so explosive. How how difficult was it for you this year when you had to wear masks? Uh, you couldn't really be you know as close to each other as it used to be. I mean, how was it for you guys' like team chemistry? I think um, I think knowing that like it was going to be different without the spectators there, so you're definitely losing such a massive chunk of that whole atmosphere that you normally have at a meet so that was we knew that was going to happen and we knew there was going to be such an unfortunate like thing to happen to but like we got a Spaniard on the team and let me tell you a mask ain't stopping him from yelling <laughs> so, so but like that we could yell and everything and although like the the um spectators weren't there to cheer our team did a brilliant job. Like it felt like normal watching, like I said, those relays, it felt like normal. Like the Wayne state team was yelling so loud. We were yelling so loud and it just kind of brought that normality back to it all. So I think we, we probably did the best that we could have ever done in such a situation with, um, that creating that atmosphere again. Right. And, uh, yo, you guys, again, all the awards that came out of the Glee Accord, or GLIAC tournament, you won them, every single one of them. Uh, for you, I mean, how was it to see Eric win that male swimmer of the award and then you kind of, you know, like passing it on to him maybe a little bit? <laughs> well, so, like, four years, when I'm at home in Australia before I came here, it would have killed me to see, like, somebody just, like, do that to me. Like, I, I yeah, like, it's just hard because a year ago I was that and now I'm not, you know, type of thing. And it, like, it would have killed me. But this year, because like I'm training with him, I'm with him all the time. And it's like, I, like <laughs> I'm so happy for him, you know, because right. that was just incredible. Like his swims are like so dominant and him being second in the nation for two events and like nothing stopping him from coming first in those two events. Like it can't, it's kind of a privilege, you know, like to think I'm racing like one of the best swimmers in the country for D2. And it's just like, yeah, I, I would never say that to him because he'd get too cocky. But <laughs> See, this is why I know Jesse's such a great guy and why I can never be an athlete. Like, I would not have that attitude. I'd be like, I'm if it was any other team, would have hurt. Well, it's always good to have a little competition like within the team. I think yeah. that's what makes everybody be better in, in, in any sport, really. I that 100% agree with that. Like, if I don't have competition, I'm not going to. You're going to go stack. Yeah. Yeah. And is Eric like a nice guy? I've I've talked to him a couple times trying to write an article. 
I couldn't pull out more than like a sentence out of him every time. And I was like, I need a little bit more. But you know, I mean, from your perspective is like, I mean, you have your great relationship with uh, Moritz. Like, how does he, you know, fit into the team in general? He, too? he, he comes off quiet, but like he, <laughs> he is so funny and like, like, I just like I have such a great time with him all the time. Like if he's gonna be at the same practice as me or when we're going to a meet, it's just I know it's gonna be fun. Like it's it's just such a good time being with him and I get him talking like one of my abilities to get people talking a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but um other than that, like he's like he fits into that whole distance group so well and when he came on his recruiting trip last year, I was like, I'm like you're gonna fit in and you're gonna love it and that's and um, that's everything that he's doing right now is just showing that. So. Right. All right. So next time I want to talk to him, I'll bring you along. Yes. Right. Right, cool. <laughs> I'll get him talking. <laughs> I like that. Time. What? Uh, so what are your coaches kind of? What? What has been the message this past you know week and you know the weeks leading up to the you know big meet for you guys? You guys are traveling all the way to it looks like Alabama. Yeah. What's What's kind of like the message and the kind of story that they've been talking to you about? So look, like they're pretty much saying just keep your head high and we're going to go in this and do what we do every year type mm -hmm. of thing. Like don't, don't think this is any different. NCAAs is going to be NCAAs still. Mm -hmm. And yes, we're going to have to follow a lot of social distancing rules and COVID safe rules and everything, but ultimately you're there to race and that's what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. And I think um, we're getting told new information daily about like what's potentially going to be happening there and, like what's the deal with COVID testing, how we're going to get there and everything. Mm -hmm. So I think that they're in the learning stages still with it all. And we're just under them, just looking up to them, following what they want us to do. Mm -hmm. So I think that they've been terrific, like with just displaying everything that's happening. So And has anything in specific changed? You said it's like going to be kind of business as usual, but is anything in specific with the competition change? Because uh, I know for softball, they this year for their like world series tournament like their national championship it the start round went from it's usually eight teams and they're now down to six yeah. and then they took out one of the mini tournaments that you have in between going into a different tournament and so is there anything like that that's going to be different for you guys like a qualifying thing or? yeah so mainly they take roughly 23 people mm -hmm. per event um they're cutting that down to 16 mm -hmm. about um yeah. i read an article from swim swam saying um, they're dropping women um, the amount of women they bring by 29% and the amount of men they bring by 17% be mm -hmm. just so they're even. And um, that's definitely like that's definitely cutting it down to those 16 best mm -hmm. like it's and my freshman year if that was the case, I don't think I would have made it to nationals at all. but um that so that's like the biggest one. They're not taking relay only swimmers so, if you have a really good relay and one of them doesn't make nationals for an individual event, mm -hmm. he can't go. Mm -hmm. So the other three are going. Yeah. And so like someone like me would have to fill in, say for like a four by 50. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I don't know if you've ever seen a distance swimmer do a 50, but <laughs> it I, doesn't end honestly, well. <laughs> I, <have>. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I think I've seen you like I have, uh, you know, my coverage of your team, you know, midway through the season, you guys have a lot of meets. Sometimes, you know, Andy will just throw you into an event and I'll be like, why is Jesse doing this? What? Like, how, how's that for you? And he's like, hey, this week, you know what? 
why don't you take this? You're not used to it, but you know, give it a try. <laughs> yeah, that's it's so that's something that would never happen at home. So I guess it's just like it's kind of fun and it, like it's experience. So like he's put me in a hundred free before. He's put me in like hunt like I think like a two hundred. Like he puts me in two hundred frees and everything. And that's probably I I just go in there happy just to think like. <laughs> you guys are done, like, but like knowing I'm just going to get beaten down. <laughs> but I think that it's just all fun because like even though like if I go in there without any weight on my shoulders, I just think what what do I have to lose mm -hmm. type of thing. And then um, it's also good for the coaches to see like, okay, maybe we can put him in this event more because he did all right type mm -hmm. thing. But um, sometimes like like if he puts me in those shorter events, I just, I just go in there happy to think, uh, new experience <laughs> right. and when did you guys qualify like you said top 16 is that when what the gliac championship was is your guys is for your qualifying times um, or is it your last meet of the year usually so, so you can if you do so it's time so there's an a cut and a b cut so i'm not sure what the cuts exactly were mm -hmm. but say for the thousand it would have maybe been like a 930 for the b cut and then the a cut maybe in nine minutes mm -hmm. so if you get the b cut that's just an invite time. So you can do this B cut or A cut anywhere, anytime. Mm -hmm. So if you could do it at a dual meet or anywhere. Not in practice though? No, no, okay. it has to be. Yeah, yeah. You have to have the swimming officials around yeah. with you to do it. But um, and if um, you get the A cut, you're guaranteed to go. There's mm -hmm. nothing really stopping you. But um, the B cut is just like those people that won't make that top 16 type mm -hmm. thing. Um, so yeah, you can get these cuts anywhere, anytime. But um. The Gliac's the time where we mostly do it um, because we shave down and put on our tech suits mm -hmm. as well. And it's like we just put everything we got into it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I didn't know I didn't know that there was like a kind of I, I didn't know if it was like an any meet or like a specific meet because I know for some meets or for like I'm kind of comparing the whole time thing to cross country in my <laughs> head because I ran cross country in high school. <laughs> we have a meet specifically where if you're an individual who doesn't make it like with a team you can qualify on a certain meet for like that state meet, which is like, oh, okay. yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't know if there was like a specific one for it. Yeah. I'm find it funny, like how they decide on how they're going to do it for each different teams, but it's pretty cool. Like <laughs> just to think like, okay, they do it like this and we do it like this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any more for your article? No, I'm straight okay. with the Gleak. Uh, so let's, uh, let's run down this list too. And I got a few questions for him. Like, Jesse, first time I ever talked to you and I wrote your article for you, told me a couple of really funny stories, and I want to hear them again. All right. Again. <laughs> uh, so first, I remember a story where you told me your friend from northern Michigan, you actually met her at a meet. I don't know if it was an individual meet between two schools or it was some kind of tournament, but something happened to your suit. What happened there, Jesse? <laughs> My, uh, I, I thought it would be a good idea to do a bit of a squat with the suit on to try and get it just that bit higher because those things are horrible to get on. And um, <laughs> I tell you what, there's nothing worse than hearing a nice big rip <laughs> when you do that squat. And I had to confirm that what had happened happens. I put my hand below like my pant, I had pants over the top, put my hand below and I just felt my skin unfortunately where there should have been suit <laughs> and um she she kind of just laughed because it was funny but I was racing in 10 minutes so it wasn't too funny to me and I ran around to one of my friends who's a bit bigger than me around the waist and he asked me if I could 
I asked him if I could put on his suit, so he gave me his suit, his suit. And these suits mainly take about 10 to 15 minutes to get on. I put his one on in about 10 seconds, and I knew that was going to be an issue. And I just thought, well, we're going to full send this then, and just tied it up and jumped in. <laughs> How'd the race go? It, it was, I got second. Uh, I don't know if I could blame it on the suit or not. Probably a fair bit of it could be blamed I on that. Have, I on the suit. <laughs> but it's an experience. <laughs> Uh, I was wondering, do you like actually shave your legs and your arm hair and everything? Yep. Everything? <laughs> yep. Dang. Every okay. little, cause, um, even like your hairs can get through the suit. Um, so like you have to shave all the way up just to make sure that nothing, there's no little part of drag that could slow you down. How much would that realistically slow you down? Is it oh, like tenths of a tenth of a second? That, that's what the coaches always make out like, and it happens so often that you can't even say any otherwise because I've. Um, hit the wall and got in fourth by 0.02 at nationals in 2017 and it's just a thought like that every obviously every like tenth of a second a counts of superstition too. yeah <laughs> i think yeah. that's it the thought of jumping in and just feeling so clean and ready and like sleek is mm -hmm. I, I think mentally does andy ever or any of the other coaches ever you know have a little rap session about the shaving like does he ever lift his leg on the table and he's like, no, when you're working with the thigh, you want to make sure you're going against the grain right up here. Like, how does that work? Well, you just get told to shave down by him all the time. Um, if you come without one part shaved, he'll mainly just, like, give you a hard time saying, well, that's going to be a tenth of a second, I think. But, uh, no, he, he's never really given us the lesson. I kind of just went on my own terms and got a lot of cuts to find out how to do it right before. But, um it's it's I, i'm not a fan of the whole shaving experience <laughs> I, I wouldn't imagine um what is your like go-to free time thing to do besides swimming i mean you you spend a lot of time just training and swimming but like what do you like to do that's not swimming or you know maybe not even water sports in general uh okay because <laughs> I, I knew you were gonna say something like surfing i was gonna say surfing <laughs> when you're walking on the land um when i'm walking on the land what do i like to do <laughs> This is a trick question. Are you just part fish? I'm like pretty, yeah, I feel like I, I watch a, I watch TV. Um, <laughs> There's never a moment in Jesse's life when he's not thinking That is very it. much true. I like exploring. I, I like bushwalking because at home, um, I live in a valley. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, the valley was burned to a crisp last year. But um, before that, like, it is just an incredible place because there's just streams running through everywhere and you can go bushwalking down there and... Um, like you see a lot of cool wildlife and everything. Mm -hmm. So I do that with my dad pretty often. And I do it with like my friend from Northern when we were at home this year, we um we both went down and walked down there, mm -hmm. which was really fun. So I think that I, I just like exploring, I'd probably say. That was another one of my questions. Is that an everyday occurrence for you just to see a crazy animal? Um, yeah, like, and, and with that, as a native Australian, how many things there can actually kill me? <laughs> I... I feel like almost Look, there, there is definitely a lot. <laughs> I'm not going to sugarcoat that. Is that how you got so fast at swimming? Because you're like, there could be something in this water. Well, that's what my coach at home says. You just got to be faster than the person next to you when you're in the ocean. So I'm training you to be faster than that person next to you. And that shark ain't coming for you then. So, Good advice. But um, I remember um, after my freshman year when I came home, two, I literally got home from the airport, put my shoes out the front of the house, then the next day, I was like, my shoes are at the front of the house. So 
Um, I went to go and put them on. I didn't put socks on because I wasn't oh going. What was it, what, man? Did you, uh, well, no, I didn't think about. I've been in America for don't a year. You, don't you <laughs> try to do the rope thing around your beds too. Yeah. Yeah. So dust nothing gets. <laughs> yeah. It, it seems like living in Australia is like drivers training when you first learn how to drive a car, and they're like. You need to walk around the vehicle, inspect everything, look under the tires. Like, simple things in Australia, just like, you need to look around or you could die. There's actually a number of crashes a year due to people finding a spider in their car whilst they're driving and crashing their vehicle because they would rather crash that car than have that eight-legged freak touch you. Was that that what was in your shoe? Yeah, so it was the second deadliest spider in Australia in my shoe, and I had to feel it with my um, heel of my foot before I realized what was going on and pulled my foot out of that shoe so quickly, like freaked out because I hate spiders. I turned my shoe upside down and gave it a massive whack, and then I was like, Dad, come and check this out. And Dad, my dad comes, and he's like, that that's oh gosh <laughs> it's, it's a red back spider and yeah they they pretty they're probably not going to kill me because i'm too old like it would kill a young infant or like an old person but um middle age you're fine it's just gonna what it does is where it bites you it um pretty much turns like it's like an acidic substance and it burns the skin around it and oh makes it gosh. all bubbly lovely yeah it's it's i i'm, I'm glad i didn't have, have to experience that can, like i feel like if we were gonna rank the places that have the deadliest animals. I feel like Australia's got to be up there. Oh, oh yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> like Amazon maybe's got to be maybe number one, but number two yeah, feel, or yeah. three's got to be Australia, right? It's, yeah, I think it's like such a diverse range of what's got to kill you too. Like, yeah, you got the you got the spiders, you got the sharks, you got the crocodiles, you got snakes everywhere, and like Yo, lizards I, that are poisonous. Probably yep. too. I think, scorpions. <laughs> I don't. I don't know like how far away from Sydney you are, like how kind of a suburb it is, or if you're really in the country that much but like in michigan i swear my dad hits one deer with yeah, his car you, at least is a kangaroo year. your guys's deer yeah, yeah. so when How you're dangerous a, are kangaroos your well, cars? when you're on um when you're on a highway um so i'm like 25 minutes out oh not i'm probably 45 minutes out of sydney cbd um which is like the central business district of the like um sydney and um like i can get into the city fine by train by car it's very fast but i'm also right next to the royal national park which is like can't be built on mm-hmm. so i'm like on this definitive line of you're not allowed to build this side but you're allowed to build here mm-hmm. so um that's the like w- all the roads around this royal national park yeah you're gonna see like a few ke- dead kangaroo just on oh. the side of the road and trust me the cars don't get out of it easy no, too yeah, like- <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen like a car that's been destroyed by a deer here in Michigan, but I imagine it has got to be worse worse with kangaroos. Kangaroos are jacked. Yeah, they like, they are muscular animals. Like they would mess off your car. They they do. Like I've seen my friend showed me pictures because he goes out like in the country a bit because um he, some of his family lives out there, and the yeah the, the car doesn't. Like he's showing me one. He's only done it once, but his car was just like a small little one and totaled, just absolutely done with. And I'm is like, is that just I've because the car with the deer. you said that you live in a like a rural? Is that just because you live kind of more outside of a city area? That yeah, it's like a lot of animals. It's not like that when you get into inner yeah. Cities. When in a city, like that's the beauty of Sydney. Like um, when you're in a city to this more into the Sydney city, like you, it's it's as big as Chicago. I. I would happily compare it to Chicago, probably not New York, but like mm-hmm. happily bigger than Los Angeles, as big as Chicago. Like it is a big city. And then 
like 20 minutes outside the city, you just got this coastline of just beaches and you would swear that you're not even near a city. Yeah. And then 20 minutes the other way, you got a national park and yeah, yeah, I guess. That's kind of cool. You can't really find that here. I don't, I mean, I don't think I can think of a big city that if you drive 20, 30 minutes out, you can get that kind of stuff of how many animals you see. Yeah. Everything. Cause as you said, they have like the, you can't build here, which is kind of like a animal type of sanctuary. Yeah. Basically. So that's pretty cool. The more the more you talk about the beauty of Australia, the more jealous I get of you. I'm, well, don't forget about what can kill you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I would I would happily take that risk. I'd be down. For that. I've been taking that risk for like eighteen years, so it's all good. <laughs> well, only only a couple months out of the year now. Yeah, <laughs> too much crap. Just in a frozen land now. <laughs> you had another story about when you first came to school here, kind of the language barrier. Um, <laughs> You had an issue with a term for an eraser? Yeah. Is that correct? I still have that issue because <laughs> I'm so confident of what I said. <laughs> um, I, I went up to the whiteboard to put up our groups working out for one of the math questions in the class and I had to get rid of the other group's work and I asked the professor simply for a rubber. And she gave me a very stunned look <laughs> And the, um, my group member that came with me started just cr- like laughing, crying. And I was just like, you, you're not very helpful right now. What's going on? Like she's, she's not looking too impressed and you're just crying. And the rest of the class is just like, what's happening? And I found out the hard way that um, you call it an eraser, which, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like Australia has a lot of things that we yeah can't say like uh like they're big on the c word i'm pretty sure but yeah, that's we, like as a joke like a term that you would like just be messing around with your friends and say that like uh, we are uh, definitely swear a lot more yeah than um but i like uh, yeah like it's very like it's just normal is like, caps a type of beer or is that just what you call beer caps like a caps i feel like there's a different name for a beer that wait you- we got tinnies um, we got frothies. Yeah, you guys just don't... add ease. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know. Like I've always heard, just like like what are the kind of different terms that you would say that are uh, unique that people have kind of pointed out to you. So the biggest one that I struggle with personally is um, for this afternoon we say the savo. So um, I'll I'll see you the savo, and um, because I train in the afternoons here, I'd always say to my coach after the morning, I'll see you the savo. And he would just give me a look of confusion. And I've told him numerous times, but he still just does not remember. So, like, that's that's the hardest one, personally, for me. Um, then people say um, they never heard the term reckon. Reckon? So, I say, I reckon the weather's going to be pretty nice tomorrow. I reckon yeah. we're going to have a good day. If um, you were in the south, you might hear that, yeah. hear that more. If that's not, yeah, northern Michigan, definitely. <laughs> yeah. But um, then, like, keen. I don't know if you've ever had a keen. Like, I'm pretty like keen. Like, I'm pretty keen on this girl. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, where what you, else? Where are you from, the 1970s? Pretty I just know the, the, the same. <laughs> but the first statement, oh, I'm keen on that girl. I feel like... <laughs> I, I was thinking it out. I was going to say, like, I'm keen for dessert or something. <laughs> yeah, I'll use that next time. Yeah. I guess my mind's elsewhere. Maybe I've been playing this game all wrong. <laughs> Pay attention to any, um, like, American sports that you're pretty big into? Um... I watch tennis. I'm not sure if Americans are big into that. Um, well, yeah, like, like I, I love watching Serena Williams and everything. Yeah. Like she's literally a week, oh, no, two weeks, three weeks ago, came to Australia for the Australian mm-hmm. Open, and um, love her even more because she was saying how great Australian quarantine system is, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I love watching. Like we're big at home for tennis, and like, America's pretty 
dominant in tennis too. So like, I guess we have, um, oh well, Naomi Osaka. I guess she. Yeah, she, yeah. I'd, I'd call. I'm saying like that's yeah American. Like <laughs> yeah, I think I think she plays for America. Yeah, I think that's her flag. That she, she, she's she's top, really good, like, and she's like. 18 i think no. yeah it's, like, you're not like big into basketball or anything because you guys got a couple of people on uh from uh australia for basketball yeah so we definitely like we, we're very diverse with our sports we don't really mm-hmm. just tend to stick to one swimming is probably a bit more picky but like um basketball yeah a lot of my friends play basketball and um i definitely can see probably more australians starting to come to the u.s for it um baseball's i i'm not gonna lie so boring it, it can um, be boring it, it's fun to watch in person i think i, I think I'll, i watched the mets awesome. game so that was in new york when i went there on a holiday oh, really? that was cool yeah i'll grant that like yes. an experience though and like you're in the stadium yeah and, like, everybody's kind of hanging out there's but, beer it's more fun. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, i was underage <laughs> so, but um well we have a, cricket so in australia cricket, cricket's huge in australia yeah. isn't it yeah but it's boring too so <laughs> In Australia, do you is it drinking age eighteen? Yep. Yeah. Well, it's it's, it's six, getting, like, it's sixteen. More, if you, depends on where you are in the country. Like I'm really. getting more and more jealous. <laughs> yeah. What was that like? Being able to like, if you wanted to drink, like it's, with your family and like whenever you wanted to out at a bar, and then you came here and you like couldn't. Yeah, that, you could you could just run right down and grab a like a twelve cor- pack. Corsi. Well, that's a cor- <laughs> Coors. <laughs> um that was as we I, I never really went to a bar like i went clubbing and everything never yeah. went to just sit in a bar really or anything mm-hmm. but um when i come here and like like it's kind of awkward to bring up like around coaches or anyone above the age of 21 because like yeah. it's kind of thought of like you shouldn't know this information you yeah, shouldn't be 18. talking about this yeah. information like and everything and i'm i'm kind of there i'm like you do know, like, yeah, been doing I guess this. That's like a culture shock. Yeah, thing like, too. It's, yeah. Uh, that was hard because it was kind of like, I don't know, like, Australians, like, we, yes, we swear a lot, but we also, like, just love to sit down with a drink in our hands and just talk about anything and everything. It's just like either get stuff off your chest or just have mm-hmm. a good, fun time. And mm-hmm. it's hard coming here thinking, like, you're like two years, not two, like, 10 years old with, like, a um, soft drink or soda it's another difference um, um the soda like just talking and it's kind of like what is this <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah that would that would be crazy to me if like i mean i just turned 21 so like I, I'm welcome just, to the club i know like i'm just now able to and i like i couldn't imagine being 18 and for like all your time being able to be able to do it and then having to come here and just absolutely like no and it, yeah because you're also a student athlete so the coaches are were probably even more like what are you talking about you yeah can't drink well that's the that's the funny part because like it was it's it turns into awkward silence like if i said anything that were like slightly relates to, <laughs> <laughs> it's like it just goes quiet and i'm just like ah yes america Forgot. right <laughs> sorry uh, i'd be disappointed <laughs> i mean like when i got when I turned 21 in November, my license expired, so I would go to some places to get a drink, but they wouldn't serve me because my license was expired. I'm like, I feel uh, this is like the worst feeling of my life. Well, try, try going in, try buying liquor with um, an international license. They, they automatically think it's fake, think but it's then fake, I'm like, yeah. oh, here we go. So I'm like, good day, yeah. mate. <laughs> It'd be pretty bold to try to pull off a fake Australian international ID. Dude, for real, I can though, see like, Canada. Like, like, I know kids who have like probably tried that. 
but like Australia, like who, yeah. like you have to pull the accent off now. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> like, <laughs> for real. I've only done it once or twice. And like the one guy like looked at me, like looked at the license, looked at me and like, he didn't want to say it. He like, but he was kind of like thinking speak type thing. And I'm like, okay, here we go. I'm like, yeah, mate, it's an Australian license, hey. <laughs> so wait, when you're, when you're trying to buy beer, do you just talk normal or do you add on to the Australian so, even more? You want to convince him even though you're already telling the truth. Uh, the, it depends on how like how far gone I feel like I might be. So I'm just like, okay, um, yeah, like if you if you feel like I'm pretty sus, then I'm gonna be I'm gonna put it on more. But like otherwise, I'm I'll mainly just stick to what I would just normally say mm -hmm. but like it's it feels so wrong speaking in like that like what how people think we speak like it just it's like ugh, you know yeah you get annoyed when people try to do the accent oh, that, that is what i was about to ask like how many times when you meet someone they just pull like a hello there mate and then you just like <laughs> stare at them like what oh it's, it's just uh like the shrimp on the barbie we don't even call it shrimp we call it prawns. Like, what? I'm like, what the heck's a shrimp? Like, what are you talking about? And then I remember first, my first year here, a girl in my class was like, that's so cool. You're Australian. And I'm like, yeah, I guess so. And she's like, could you speak like Australian for me? And I'm like, well, like, do you want me to say like, uh, like slangy terms, like our stereotypes? And he goes, no, the Australian language. And I'm like, Oh no, How'd she get the sweetie! <laughs> you oh, got it all oh, wrong. No. Oh, no. <laughs> wow. Let's take you back to geography class. <laughs> have you maybe noticed that your like roommates maybe have like picked up on not like the accent but the slang terms that you use? They they have like it's funny like um like, yeah when I, when you're friends with people you just pick up on like so, the same well things. my American friend um yes like he says reckon heaps keen all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff now he doesn't really say mate I feel like that's like a whole. I know, cause I, I know, like, yeah, mate. Mm -hmm. I say that all the time, though. But um, my German friend, it's funny. Like, he's he's German, and I I say like I'm going to the loo or something, which is like the bathroom toilet. Mm -hmm. And he start like he started saying like loo, and he then he's like Jesse mate, and I'm like, oh, it sounds so <laughs> weird coming from a German. Like, yeah. I, see, uh, you know, when I talk to people, like texting or something, you I call say mate. I call people mate a lot. Yeah. Well, except except when I email you, I specifically make sure to say so, like. Yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. It's like if I say mate, this is gonna be weird. Nah, nah I, I would, I, I'd like it. It'd make me feel like I'm at home. <laughs> A little bit more home. Yeah. Is, uh, is the is the accent good with girls at GVSU? Is that? Y yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's that's the hard part about online classes. Everybody's like, it's hard to study. It's hard to this, and I'm like made it's 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 hard with the girls <laughs> i can't me, i can't I, physically talk to them anymore <laughs> i i live alone and there's one girl in my life my cat that's uh that's been my <laughs> that's all you need team. man <laughs> you say that too much that's way too sad to just bring up <laughs> what else you want me to say <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to be your friend if that's what we're <laughs> thought we already were friends okay no no I, well you haven't invited me to meet your cat i thought that would be the start yeah i'll, I'll invite you you can't once. call him friends if you get if you haven't met his own, your only girl I'll, yeah i'll invite you over once your season's done and you don't have to be casting all the times so i don't want to get blamed for anything <laughs> i won't blame <laughs> so i have friends that are in sports teams and hanging out with them and feeling like you're going to give them something in case is so 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 scary i can't well i mean i get the i do the plasma donation yeah yeah so they like have they like test your plasma like every time you come in to make sure that you don't have it which is 
cool for me because I get like I do it like twice a week. So a free COVID test. Yeah, I mean like kind of yeah. So I mean that's pretty cool. But that is scary to like how how like if you want to hang out with a friend off the team is. That, that's the that's definitely like one of the more challenging things. I had to put my friend off like twice before last week because mm-hmm. like just, he's like yeah, it was yeah. his like birthday and everything, and I was like I want to like say happy birthday, but I I don't know what my roommates will think because they're mm-hmm. on the swim team, so it's like. Yeah they probably don't want me going to like just a random person's house type thing. And mm-hmm. like, um, like I, I was trying to use the thing that I, my friend's girlfriend, cause she, they live together. She's COVID vaccinated, but it's like, he's not. So, yeah, <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm me being me. I'm not too like worried about that, mm-hmm. which is not a good thing to say, <laughs> but like, I'm like, I, I just love social interaction and yeah. I feel like that's definitely something I'm losing because yeah. of this and anything any type of interaction i can get is just like awesome i think it's i think it's i'm, I'm a little bit the same way but i'm also lucky because like three of my roommates like get tested often so for work so like awesome. we kind of we kind of know immediately if somebody were to and that's like the same way with you is you guys get tested i mean i'm assuming every day right now probably, uh we get like once a week uh three times a week right three now times and a week this uh, it's kind of like a heart dropping moment you know like yeah. when the email comes up saying your covid results are and you're like oh here we go this is the like Fingers two week crossed. defining moment <laughs> and yeah it's like and right now if we test positive that that that's national's gone um yeah uh, the glvc the great lakes valley conference say one of the teams there had a party after the their conference meet 15 people tested positive they had a few on the national team going to nationals and they're not going anymore because of, oh, be and like, it's just like, it's, that's like, it's crazy. <laughs> that's what kind of halts you from even risking Thinking, something like yeah. that. Yeah. See, this is why you can't see my cat. Yeah. <laughs> your, your cat doesn't have COVID though, <laughs> does it? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. has been around. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that concludes my questions. Thank you for coming on. You yeah, now, no problem. You've it. now taken the award for being my second fave Australian. Whoa, who's Steve the first? Irwin. Oh, <laughs> Come on. Okay, I'll put myself behind him hey, too. <laughs> you're still my favorite Australian and my favorite swimmer. That's what I, that's what yeah. I like my to hear. My favorite live Australian. <laughs> <laughs> and my favorite swimmer. <laughs> that's good. That's good. I'm happy to have those titles. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for coming on. Yeah. We appreciate yeah, thank it. Thank you for having me. <laughs> All right.